The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. Sox played earlier today. They did beat uh, the Diamondbacks. Cubs play uh, in about an hour in Atlanta. And uh, we have uh, a good uh, Thursday night football game on Amazon Prime tonight, a uh, division game. Uh, Packers hosting the Detroit Lions. Interested to see that game. Do you see Bakhtiari went on injured reserve? Oh, we did, huh? Yeah. That, that team, that, I, I don't know who's playing tonight. I don't know if Christian Watson is available, but, like, they have been decimated by injuries early. He was supposed to, wasn't he? I, like, yeah, didn't but they you, think they were going to get him and Jones back? I thought so, but you never know. I was look. I'm looking on television now. I th- I see Demofsky's doing a uh, stand up on Sports Center, so we'll get you that information as it becomes available. Before we get to Courtney, I was uh, wanted to tell you about this. I, I just read this. A, a listener sent me this on, on Twitter. Barry Jackson, who covers sports in Florida, uh, tweeted this out. Uh, per five hundred six Sports, these CBS affiliates requested and received permission from CBS to air the Dolphins-Bills game instead of the Denver Bears game Wow! Uh, that they were assigned. So these all these stations, like in this area, other than Chicago, were supposed to carry Bears and, and, and Broncos. Um, every station in Michigan, so they're out. Green Bay and Wausau, Wisconsin, out on the Bears and Broncos. They're airing... That Bills uh, Dolphins game. Des Moines, Iowa, right? Bears Market. They're out. They're in on Bills and and Dolphins. Fargo, North Carolina, out on the Bears. Mankato, Minnesota, out. Cape Girardeau, Missouri, out. Kirksville, Missouri, out. Nobody wants in the region Bears football anymore. They have all requested and received permission from CBS to see the, the the much better game. It's a it's a big time game okay, between so, the Dolphins and so, Bills. So who do we have to call to make sure we see Bills and Dolphins? <laughs> like really? Like it, I guess it is possible. Yeah, so we we could just listen I, to I the mean, Bears game thought, on radio. My first, yes, I'm going to tune in to the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000. And uh, look, I, do you blame people? I mean, no, not not outside the market. No, right. If, if, right. Well, I blame you if you're from Lake Zurich and you want to watch it, and you're right. a Bears fan. But yes, yes, but, it's, it, it's amazing. I mean, uh, Courtney Cronin uh, joins us right now, um, and uh, she does fantastic work. She is brought to you as always by Purple Wave Auction, and she joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Courtney, you joined us for Opening Day, and um, I painted a picture about the excitement that was walking around Soldier Field on that glorious uh, late summer day for Bears and Packers. And and this is game two, and it is going to be a complete 180 as far as the atmosphere and the mood of the fans in just the second home game. It's going to be so weird, isn't it? Yeah, and how quickly this thing kind of turns sideways. We're four weeks in. You know, a quarter of the season is about to, you know, be in the books. And there are a lot of people who think the season's over, feel like they want to throw in the towel. We know the stats of teams that are 0-3 and have made the playoffs and 
most people have logically looked at this Bears team as not a playoff team. But you just like with those numbers, everything feels like it's stacked against this team from mounting any sort of comeback to get the season back on track. And that's something that if you're in this locker room at Hallis Hall or in this coaching staff, you have to fight against that because it's a pretty heavy wave from the outside and especially the fan base that when there was so much optimism going into the season that it just feels like it dissipated so quickly. And I mean, you guys are talking about the, the window for the game on Sunday. Like, I mean, what an indictment that this was the national game on Fox. And I remember in the, I mean, I'm sitting in the press box in Kansas city and I had a friend who was flying covers the Rams. who was flying Cincinnati. And she told me, he's like, they just flipped off of the national game on Fox to go to Cowboys Cardinals. And it wasn't even the beginning of the third quarter yet. Oh. Like that's a, that's an indictment. That's an indictment on the product. And I don't think anybody can blame or you know networks for doing that because people want to watch a good product and you know two zero and three teams doesn't exactly scream excitement, especially with the way that both teams lost last week. Uh, Courtney, let's try to sell each other some 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 uh, positivity here. Okay, as difficult as it is, and and I don't remember feeling this badly about a Bears situation as I do now, and, and largely because of where my expectations were. Not that they were going to the Super Bowl, but I did expect them to, to make significant progress. But with all of that said, and as bad as it looked, can they find some success and make some progress in different areas against lesser opponents? It's the Broncos. Then you go to the Commanders. The Vikings haven't done much this year. You get the Raiders after that. I'm not telling you or trying to, to goof anybody into thinking that I'm, I'm saying they're going to the postseason. But can they, at the very least, find some respectability over the next several weeks? Oh, I mean, this four-week stretch should, be, should feel like a gift to them to get out of this hole. Because if they were one and two right now and they were looking at these four games, they're probably thinking they can get to the other side of this and have a winning record. Now, one and two versus 0 and three, there's not that much of a difference, but the Vikings aren't very good right now. The Raiders have, they don't have a lot, they have about as much personnel on their def- on the defensive side of the ball as the Bears do. And yeah, I know they have Max Crosby. None, no one on that defense has been productive. And, you know, the commanders, Sam Howell got humbled and very rightfully so by a Bills defense last week, which should show you what the opportunities are for. Chicago against this Denver team because Denver's the team that lost to the commanders two weeks before. So this should be, if you're just looking at this game, projecting out where the offense is going to come from, they should be able to establish their identity or reestablish it as a dominant rushing team. They allowed 8.1 yards per rush collectively last week, whether it was Devon Achan, Chris Brooks, Raheem Mostert, but they ran the ball down their throats last week. And if you're Luke Getze, this should be the prime opportunity if you're talking about aiding Justin Fields and taking the pressure off of him and putting him in the best position to succeed. That's relying on Roshan Johnson, who very clearly this team feels is capable of being a lead rusher. It's just bizarre that all of his carries that actually went anywhere and that you know his production is he's generating his production in the second half in a losing effort and. I mean, I was appalled that they came out in the third quarter and start running the ball when they're down by 34. But nonetheless, if you're going to try to establish a stout rushing attack, do it early and do it against a team that hasn't been able to defend the run very well. And, 
you know, if they can get back on track with that, then you have a short week and it's Washington. Washington hasn't played great. And I don't really think Sam Howell is a great quarterback to begin with. But when DJ Moore is getting Terry McLaurin's sort of targets, that's a problem. And that's something that I think is pretty easily fixable if you alter what you're doing among your game plan. Uh, Courtney, I want to play a little, Luke Etsy, uh, what you were talking about, and I referenced your article on ESPN.com. Uh, Tyler, if you can play the um, something special bite, this is Luke Getze talking about how uh, the Bears and the offense prevents frustration from setting in. I think we're in the process of, of building something special, and I think that we're in the phase of it's week three going into week four, and we're, we're going on to uh, find a way to attack Denver in a, in, a, in a completely different way than we did Kansas City. That's the week-to-week challenge that you have. There's different schemes. There's different uh, mentalities of coordinators that you're playing against. And so, uh, like, you, like Coach Flus kind of always says, you get 24 hours to enjoy or to, or to, or to like, or be sad about whatever the heck happened, and uh, and you move on. That's part of our business. It's a 17-week process. It is not a three-week process. Really quick, at any point did he try to sell you tickets to Firefest too? <laughs> Hopefully they have uh, better food than Firefest 1 and we're not staying in FEMA tents. But it's this is Luke Getzey every week. This is not a surprise where, you know, I don't ever go into those press conferences expecting to glean any sort of information that's going to rock your socks off or tell you what's really going on in the state of the franchise. He's about as even-keeled in the way that he addresses things publicly and trying to put a positive spin on it, no matter whether it's a close loss or it's a loss by 31. Now, there are a lot of Bears fans out there who don't want to be sold that bill of goods, and I don't blame them because there comes a point, too, when you when you hear Matt Eberflus, and I actually thought that Getzey was probably the voice of reason here, when, when you hear Matt Eberflus the other day saying, I think we're close, I don't think anybody thinks they're close. And, and Luke Getzey was asked that today, and he said he couldn't really answer whether he felt they were far away or close, but that you know he goes into the idea that they're building something special. I, you know, I've always been a proponent of die with a lie, and I don't believe that I'm not saying he's lying here, but I just think that this is their way of trying to maintain normalcy when it feels pretty much like everything from the outside is falling apart. Now, is this the approach that fans want to hear? Probably not, but Think about it on the flip side. What is he, you can't expect the offensive coordinator to get up there and start, you know, telling you, yeah, the sky is falling. It is really bad. Justin is regressing. Like he's never going to say those things. So it's finding truth within all of that. Um, when he's talking about those seven to eight explosive plays, I think you did find a lot of truth there that he felt like guys were not doing their jobs properly. And then later on, of course, he was asked about the pressure he faces. So it wasn't that he was just throwing players under the bus by any stretch, but they're all facing it right now. They're all facing a situation that feels kind of dire four weeks in, even though they're going to tell you, Hey, it's early in the season. Relax. No one's panicking. You can understand why they're saying it because I think a lot of times you say something enough, you start to believe it. And if you start to believe it and others start to believe it, you can buy into a thought, a theory, anything, and, and try to pull yourself out of it because you got to have something to hold on to. And certainly the results don't give you anything to show you that this team is close. So 
maybe this is their way of doing it. Courtney, isn't though, like, to utter the phrase, we're in the process of building something special, when Darnell Mooney can't catch a pass since week one, where Robert Tanyan, who you you acquired and was was a focal point of the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers, doesn't have a reception, where you were just talking about the run game, like, aren't those, isn't that a lack of self-awareness to utter that phrase that we're in the process of building something special? It sounds like delusion. And I'm not trying to be an ass, but it sounds like complete delusion. And you're right about that. If you if you listen to that, it sounds like, am, am I taking crazy pills watching this? Because I just saw them lose by 31 points. They got bewildered by the Green Bay Packers. And in the Tampa Bay game didn't feel close. It This is when I, you can understand why fans get frustrated because it feels like, okay, we're seeing something that you're not seeing or it's, there's a disconnect there. And it's I understand why coaches do that, though. It's to protect themselves and it's to protect their team. Like they're not good. Like you're re- very rarely are you going to see coaches go out there and truly start telling you what's really good and what's really going on behind the scenes. So you know, when you hear we're building something special, it's not something that people just roll their eyes at. I think people, you know, have to do a double take and, and, and question whether they heard that correctly because there's nothing special about this offense right now. Your quarterback yeah, you... looks like he's regressing. Your your receivers, I mean, you can understand why it takes them trading to get receivers here because he, what free agent's going to want to sign here, guys? Like, let's think about that realistically. What free agents are you going to get that want to go here and potentially see their careers go down the drain. I mean, DJ Moore got here because he was a very valued part of a trade package. I don't know if you're signing him if he's a free agent, because what free agents want to come and be part of an offense that can't even get out of second and third and long when they're consistently in it and can't move the ball and the quarterback's hanging in the pocket too long and there's issues of him, you know, blaming coaching. There's all these things that are stacking up against this team that just – I, I don't know. It, it, the whole idea of wish casting, which we have talked about as hmm. to, wow, I can't believe they lost to the Green Bay Packers that way. That's not just fans who are wish casting things. This is the way that the franchise and coaches and players had talked about things that actually led you to believe there was real buy-in on them being better, that they're trying to talk themselves into still existing when very clearly at this point in time it doesn't. Yeah, when you're down 34 at the half and 34 nothing at the half and 41 to nothing at the end of the third quarter and you find yourself in one of these games where you can rack up garbage time stats and at the end of the day your passing attack has accounted for 99 yards in a complete blowout from the opening kick you're not building towards anything. I, I hate to tell everybody that, but uh, yeah, that's that, that's quite obvious to, to everyone who watched that game. Courtney, what can you tell us about the status of some of the guys, especially in the secondary, that that had to leave the game against the Chiefs? Yeah, it's it's not looking great in terms of Eddie Jackson. Two straight days this week of of not practicing because of the foot injury, and of course we didn't practice last week. I think if if it was really something serious that was going to have to keep him out a long stretch of time, they would have put him on injured reserve at the same time that they put Braxton Jones on injured reserve. So maybe there is still a silver lining there. I know that Eberflu said last week that, you know, they were optimistic or they were positive about it. And who knows if that means optimistic that it won't be that long, but Jalen Johnson not practicing because of the hamstring injury, Josh Blackwell, who's the nickel right now, not practicing 
because of injury. I mean, this, this shows you why they claimed um, or they poached Joan Williams off of the practice squad in Minnesota because he's probably going to be playing a considerable amount of reps this week with the injuries that they do have. Now, the silver lining there is that Tyreek Stevenson, whatever this illness is, it's not holding him back. He was a full participant again today in practice. But the secondary is an area that is going to be left vulnerable again this week because of the injury situation. And if you can't rush the passer, which they haven't been able to do despite multiple multiple coaches and players telling us, oh, we're close, we're close, four is one, we're rushing together, chemistry, all these other buzzwords. Um, if you can't do that against Russell Wilson – for as much as people dog on him as a quarterback and how he's looked like a shell of himself in, in Denver, he hasn't been their, their biggest problem. And I, st- I think that that could be a rude awakening for this defense if, if it looks like it did the last couple of weeks, considering the injury issues that they now have tacked onto that and who you're facing on the other side. Because as bad as they looked, like they gave up 70 points. That's a Vance Joseph issue more than anything else. And, you know, offensively, they may have only scored 20, but this is a Bears defense that has really struggled to contain quarterbacks. And they've got one sack through three weeks. That's just not acceptable. It's, that's not acceptable at any level. And that could be very much a problem this week. What is the most embarrassing stat on this team? Is it that? Is it, is, it, is it some of the offensive stats? Like, I was trying to think about this with Waddle. Like, out of all the things that have gone wrong, what is the worst? I think I think it's you got to stay on defense with this because what did we hear after week one that the third down defense was awful and that's got to be the number one thing that that improves? Well, there's 32nd in third down conversions allowed. They've allowed opponents to convert on 60 percent of their third downs. Like how how that keeps happening is just it's it, it, it misses you when you look at it. And I I know that you hear about all of the reasons why it doesn't work. Look, our guys up front that didn't have time to practice together for whatever reason or play together in the preseason. They're building that continuity on the fly. At some point, and that point is past, those excuses have gone out the window and they're null and void. Like, you either can do it or you can't. And I don't think this is a matter, and I asked Matt Eberflus about this yesterday, I don't think it's a matter of personnel. You just you don't you you just paid Yannick Ngakwe over ten million dollars to be here. You don't think that he's not talented enough to carry out what you're asking him to do. This is a scheme issue, and you guys have seen all of the breakdowns that are out there about how predictable and obvious the rush plan is, and that teams have had no issue picking this apart. If you're Matt Eberflus, this is your defense um, that you're now taking control over again, by, by deciding to call plays from here on out, that falls on you, not only as the head coach, but the de facto defensive coordinator to make adjustments with that. And yeah, they're leaving the middle of the field open. What is the Tampa 2 defense supposed to do? It's supposed to take away the middle of the field. And clearly, that hasn't happened with anything that they've done throughout the first three weeks of the season. So I go with that third down conversion percentage, but you take a look on the defensive side of the ball, last in sacks, last in sack percentage, nine QB hits. Um, they may tell you that they're close, but the stats are telling you something completely different on the defensive side. Uh, Courtney, how would you describe the overall vibe of this team right now? Because a team that has gone through and, and they've made their own bed, is it a group that you feel is is 
timid now? Are they angry? Are they, are they, do you think this is a group that can pick themselves up and go forward? Well, how would you describe, coaches included, what's the vibe with this team right now after these three, these three horrible weeks? I go back to yesterday, um, watching Fields at the, you know, sitting in there six-something minutes at Justin Fields. I, and I'm curious to, to hear what you guys think because that was three days removed from a really bad loss where, you know, they always talk about, I mean, you heard it there from Luke Getze, the 24-hour rule. You flush it, you move on. And I know that Justin is not thrilled um, given what happened last week. I mean, the NFL, the Bears were not the biggest story in the NFL. A lot of it centered around Fields' comments on coaching. They were the biggest story in sports for a lot of reasons. But how he was coming across yesterday is projecting to everyone, a national fan base, people who aren't fans of this team, and they're just seeing, hey, let's check in on what's going on in Chicago. When your franchise quarterback comes out with that sort of energy, that's telling people that's a direct reflection on everything else that's going on in the building. And I, you know, his, how that came across was not, certainly not everybody was, was, you know, projecting that same sort of energy. I thought, you know, from players that we talked to this week that, you know, they're, they're guys who are really trying to look at this as an early season issue and that it is fixable. But at some point, if it doesn't result in wins and if they're not, you know, able to climb out of this hole, that's when you teeter on the edge of losing the team at a very early point. And then that ends up becoming a front office issue. It becomes a leadership issue to to determine, okay, what, what drastic thing do you have to do to end up, you know, lighting a fire under this team and getting this thing back on track? Because right now it's, it, it doesn't look good. And I feel like I've come on here and just completely like just, not giving you anything positive to, to, to talk about, but I also know that people live in reality and those who do live in reality and are fans of this team know that there's, there's not much to be happy about right now. And, and I do think that you've got to understand where the coaches are coming from. When you hear things that sound like a bunch of hot air, think about the alternative. What can they say? If they were really going to go out there and tell you what's really going on, you're going to lose the team. You're going to lose players. You're going to break confidence. And when you have a quarterback out there, very clearly looks like he's lost some confidence um, by the way that he's kind of putting himself out there publicly. That's something that's really, really got to be priority number one of getting mitigated before it takes a turn for the worse if more losses start racking up. I got two words for both of you for positivity. Cairo Santos. Hey, Those are my two great. words. He has been great. No missed PATs. I mean, any of the issues that showed up last year um, seem to be not an issue for him this year. I'm so not even I being a wise-ass. Really, I'm not even being a wise-ass. I'm just telling you. Like, the only guy in the building that has really done his job the way that you expect him to do is the kicker. He's 4 for 4 on field goals. He's 3 for 3 on extra points. Did you guys talk about this on Monday when I was out? I mean, what were they doing kicking a field goal? What, what was it, 41 to nothing I don't at the think time? That, I, th- I don't think that they – Courtney, you probably know better than I. I. From my perspective on my couch, it just felt like because Justin was out with the injury, they yeah. didn't want to throw Nathan Peterman in there to – to, to do whatever on fourth down or third down. Yeah, it felt like, I mean, Fields right before then, remember, you know, he, he appeared kind of woozy, and there's okay. that you know video that's gone around of DJ Moore kind of helping him to the sideline. I asked Eberflus about that, and he said they were going to go for it on fourth down, but Fields got hurt there, so I felt like it was a situation that that was the safest okay. 
um, the safest route for them to go. Uh, but we're so far away. That's see that <laughs> when, when, when you when you're the crowd, sometimes you lose some of that. So I'm like, they're kicking an effing field goal. What are they doing? At here? that point, Sylvie's in the crowd, and Kansas City Chiefs fans are holding him and yes, patting him on like, the head and telling him, "I'm so sorry, little yeah, fella. Yeah. Your team will be good someday. Someday we used to be bad too." <laughs> All right, Courtney, any other nuggets that we need to know about, or did we, uh, did we handle the, the beating of this bad football team pretty good? I, I think that's pretty much it. The only other thing, um, it sounds like Nate Davis is good to go. There's still, you know, the situation last week dealing with the, um, the death of a family member, and I just I was a little surprised that he wasn't you know, made inactive for the game. For him to be the starting right guard, and to be a backup last week, uh, he never obviously saw the field. Uh, I don't know. I, it, so, it sounds like that's not going to be an issue going forward, but that was still a pretty bizarre thing. You typically don't see, like, if guys can't play, they can't play. Yeah. But that's one, I mean, Luke Getty today said, you know, Nate, Nate's been practicing. He's been back with the team. He should be good to go this week, so we'll see. All right, Courtney, good stuff. Thanks, Thank Courtney. you. Thanks, guys. Uh, 312-332-3776 if you want to react. We'll play a little more Luke Getze. There's also an interesting story uh, from Craig Wall. Uh, he got an interview with uh, one of the women who was shot at uh, at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field uh, for the first time. Uh, she remains anonymous, though, in the interview. They did not uh, tell – she did not uh, go on record with her name. But hmm. she explains what happened that night. Um, and, and still no answers as, as to who or where it came from. So 312-332-3776. Much more coming up next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Still just, uh, I, I always thought Luke Getze was the guy who kept it the most real inside that building, well, would keep them the most grounded, and maybe that's when things were going well, that he would ground them when things were going well, and maybe he's trying to raise them when things are really bad, but I just, I don't understand why you would talk about building something special. I think everyone is so bewildered right now that I don't think any of these coaches and any of these players really know how to respond. I think you see it in their quarterback. Justin's probably never had this type of adversity in his entire life as an athlete. He has probably excelled at the highest level because of his tremendous skill. Uh, and it has and com- coming out of last year, despite the fact that they were dead last in passing, he was a guy that was the toast of the NFL in the second half of the season. And people on Get Up and elsewhere were talking about him being a potential MVP candidate. There was a lot of positive buzz, and the entire offense and his performance it's fallen flat. So guys are just there's frustration, there's a lack of confidence. I don't think Luke Getzey. Has probably ever experienced anything like this. Matt Eberflus, again, I tell you, it's it's like the meme with the house is on fire and the dogs in the kitchen saying everything's fine. Like, no, everything's not fine. And whether or not it makes you feel better or anybody else feel better to keep calm, I'm not calm. I want to see, you know, I want to see some some anger. And again, well, I don't know if that'll help. That's just me being selfish. But and isn't this and isn't this the reason why? 
people were skeptical about when you hire a first-time head coach who is a first-time offensive coordinator with a first-time general manager that when blank hits the fan, you don't really know how to react. There's no experiences to really draw from. Yeah. And it's a quarterback who's not been developed yet, so Justin doesn't know how to react to this adversity. He's never gone through adversity before. The head coach has never gone through this before. The coordinator's never gone through this before. The general manager's never gone through it before. So you've got no one in the building to draw from experience. You and know, then you get someone saying, hey, we're build, building something special when you can't even score points. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of, of other teams. Like, I go to the Eagles. The Eagles, you know, Nick Sirianni had never been a head coach. I don't believe his guys had ever been coordinators, at least on offense. But the general manager had won a well, Super Bowl. That's, that's where I was going. There, but there was somebody in the building who had the skins on the wall and had the resume. And not only that, but he had also stacked the roster with a tremendous amount of talent. So that takes some of the pressure and some of the onus off of the staff. Like we've always talked about, there's two aspects to being a really good sports organization. It's identifying talent, and then it's developing the talent. Mm -hmm. Howie Roseman in Philadelphia has done a really good job identifying and acquiring the talent. And it looks like Nick Sirianni and his crew early on, they've done a really good job developing some of that talent. So, uh, yeah, I just think that, that there is a bewilderment up there that while m- maybe they didn't think they were going to be 3-0, and or, uh, or I don't think anybody believed, maybe they did, but I, I don't think anybody I know thought they were going to be 3-0. and But the manner in which they have gotten to 0-3, I think has everybody's head spinning. Do you want to hear the report from Craig Wall? Yeah, our guy uh, uh, at ABC7. Yes, so this is uh, right next door to us uh, at ABC7. I I think the best way to do it is play his whole report. So this is an exclusive to ABC7, Craig Wall, the reporter. He had an interview with the woman who who was shot in the leg. Um, And and I'll let it do the speaking. She's denying that it was her gun. And... um, and, and and here's his entire report. This is from that game at Guaranteed Rate Field from what, how long ago was that now? Oh, Early September? So uh, this is, again, Craig Wall. He'll explain everything in the report on the exclusive from ABC7. Traumatic night for the 42-year-old woman who is still dealing with the physical and emotional fallout from what happened. She asked us not to use her name and to disguise her face because of all the media attention and the social media attention that this case has garnered. Tonight, she said she wants to set the record straight. It started off as a great night. I was looking forward to not only a baseball game, but a concert that evening with family and friends. But everything changed in an instant during the fourth inning as she was sitting in the left field bleachers on August 25th. I heard a loud pop. Um, I felt an impact on my leg and looked down and I did not see anything. Um, I thought somebody, you know, in the crowd had thrown a beer can or thrown something, bottle of water, something, and there was nothing there. But then someone nearby noticed a lot of blood and she looked down and saw her right leg was bleeding. It wasn't until a couple moments later that somebody mentioned that there was a bullet found. Um, a couple rows down, and at that moment was when I realized I had been shot. Um, it, I, I panicked. It went in here, 
and traveled to here. This picture taken at the hospital shows where the bullet entered her right calf. It first grazed her thigh. An x-ray shows the bullet still embedded in her leg just above the ankle. Let's the woman agreed the to do an interview to address right the speculation the that she was to blame. Did you sneak a gun into the ballpark and accidentally shoot yourself? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you own a gun or guns? I do not. And she says she never has owned a gun, although she does have a FOID card. The woman says she has been fully cooperating with police, but the last time they contacted her was the day after the shooting. She has retained an attorney who has consulted with a firearms expert and the doctors who treated her that night. The evidence that we have, both of the injuries and of the x-ray demonstrating the position of the slug in her leg, tell us that she did not shoot herself. Police who initially believed the shot was fired inside the ballpark are now considering that it may have come from outside. I would obviously like answers. Um, I would like to know what happened that night. The woman emphasized to me that she has absolutely nothing to hide, but with no answers from police about exactly what happened, she said she is just trying to be patient. Can you believe that? I, I, she said that she heard a loud pop. If right. The, if the bullet came from outside the stadium, what are the, the odds that you would hear the pop? Of course not. Of course. Look, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to to you know make any guesses about anything. It just the whole thing sounds completely confusing to me. Or weird. Yeah. It's, it's just, just been weird. Buried. Yeah. It's August 25th. This happened. Today is September 28th. Come on. Well, if you heard a loud pop, then doesn't that mean that the shot had to come from inside the stadium? I think that you're in we... a loud stadium. How in the world could you hear a, a gunshot from outside the stadium? I know they're not getting many people in the ballpark these days, but it wasn't <laughs> that empty at that time, was it? No, no, and it was a busy. It was a busy night because of the concert. Ugh, it was pretty packed out there that night in the bleachers. The complete and total. Uh, what what's the with the secrecy on all this? I don't know. Uh, I don't. This know. has been one of the, like the most secret uh, things. And then she has a FOID card, but uh, how many people have a FOID card but don't have a gun? Is that, that I something that, I, I don't know I much know about the, this? I, I wouldn't know the stats on that, but that also caught my ear. Um, look, I, I, the, the complete and utter debacle that is the Chicago Bears, I think, has taken a lot of the attention away from that situation with regard to Chicago sports fans, but they still, I'm with you, I have no clue how you cannot have a better idea as to what transpired after all this time. I don't think... Is she, I, I don't is think, she going after, like, is there, any, is there any report that whether or not she's considering legal action against the White Sox or I don't the stadium? Know. I don't know, and if you're the victim, why are you so... Why are you so secretive about your identity? I don't know. Uh, it's just—it's no very odd. The whole, the whole story is, is very weird. odd. Yeah, it is weird. I don't feel like I know, and I don't know why I would. I don't feel like I know any more today after hearing that than I did several weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an odd. It's Craig Wall with that report uh, from ABC Seven. So thanks to them uh, for the use of that audio. I, uh, I think some of the Bears, like if, if you hear Ryan Cheverini do the sports later tonight, there may be some of the Bears they interviewed up at Hallis Hall that don't want their identity exposed either. <laughs> I think, I think there, there are a few Bears who are missing in action. 
That that could be as that could be true also. Yeah. Yes. Do we have a do we have Bears Weekly on tonight? Is that what we we've do? Got? Six to seven p.m. Uh, all right. So uh, no crosstalk. We'll crosstalk uh, with each other coming up. We've got a big Cubs <laughs> game tonight. Um, and uh, some You're more stuff. nervous, aren't you? The nerves are starting to to bubble to the surface. There's there's nothing to lose anymore. Yeah, there is. There's a playoff spot to lose. I know, but it's 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 sort of like there. There's only stuff to be gained now. Talk yourself into it. That's what I'm doing. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to talk to us, it's Waddle and Sylvie. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at one hundred point three HD two FM. Listen now on ESPN one thousand. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. That's right. You'll get Bears Weekly in about 12 minutes from right now on your home for the Bears, ESPN 1000. I I wish we would have been up at Hallis Hall yesterday to give Jeff Joniak a hug. I'll do that for you on Sunday. I'll see him on Sunday. Okay, by Sunday I think he'll kind of have moved on and he'll be in... All oh, yeah. jacked up for game day. I just think that Dobbers were probably down yesterday or today, and he could have used a hug. Yeah, game day, he's always up. Oh, yeah. He's always raring to go. Uh, let's take some calls here. Uh, Jackson in Highland Park, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jackson? Hey, fellas, how are we doing? We're good. I, I kind of want to backtrack to when we were talking about the Cubs, um, and if our season would be deemed a success if we did not make the playoffs. Um, I'm sorry, Waddle, that we have to talk Cubs right now. I know you're a Sox guy, but... All good. I'm not a Sox. <laughs> did he just call me a Sox guy? I thought, sh- I thought you were I thought you a, were a Sox fan. I'm a Reds fan, my brother. Oh, my God. Yeah. My apologies. I'm a bigger idiot than you thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what I wanted to get to was, I think... Going into the season, none of us had expectations that Justin Steele would be as good as he is. We did not think that Cody Bellinger would be as good as he is. And so in, in th- those terms, yeah, it's success. Like, we, they were a lot better than what we thought we were going to be. But with the, our team stats, our run differential, our overall pitching, batting, we were supposed to be a playoff team. So... I don't care any of the hoopla. We've we've choked on so many games recently. It's it, it's not a success if we don't make the playoffs for what we have seen this season. Yeah, maybe in the bigger picture, we we have a good timeline going for us. But we got we got to make the playoffs this year, or else we might we won't we'll lose Bellinger. I don't know. I I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on that. Yeah, there's no guarantee that Cody Ballinger is back. This may be his, his only year. He may have, like, I don't know if he's priced himself. No one should price themselves out of the Cubs. Waddle has made that yeah. clear all the time, but maybe they choose somebody else instead of him. Maybe I don't they- know how you feel as a diehard Cub fan, but someone who isn't a diehard Cub fan, and I look at this maybe from a different angle than you, while I agree it's not a success because I think you and I both agree that over the course of a season, regardless of sport, your expectations change based on how they play. So your expectations will will rise if yes. the team is better than you expected, and your expectations will fall if the team's not as good. I would say this, though. 
if in fact you don't get to the postseason, I maybe wouldn't call it a success, but I wouldn't call it a failure. Right. Now, maybe that's too kind of... No. You know, we're, we're that's having... Nuance. The, that's nuance. Yeah. That's, 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 that's shades of gray. I mean... Yes. No, it, it is for sure not a failure. I mean, Absolutely. I can give you many more positives than negatives if, in fact, this team is left in the cold at the end of the regular season. This portion of Waddle and Sylvie brought to you by Steinhoffels. Check out their newest store in Harwood Heights. I check out the store in Vernon Hills. Uh, today is the last day of the more you buy, the more you save sale. I, I mentioned earlier, Waddle, and I never, I never paid it off. Like, John Greenberg tweeted me, this is 2004 all over again. I don't know if people remember 04. They choked away the wild card that year in 04. The 04 team was picked to win the World Series. They were coming off the 03 season in which they were five outs away from getting to the World Series. So, first of all, the expectations were much higher. Second of all, the 04 Cubs, for those who were around, were developed themselves into a very unlikable bunch. It was a team that fought with the broadcasters. It was a team um, that had no control of the clubhouse. And by the end, a lot of Cubs fans did not love that team. This team has a huge likability factor. Agreed. But they're not as good as the 04 team. Like the 04 team was really, really good on paper. That team should have won a lot more games. They added Nomar Garciaparra. Um, you know, they, they traded for Derek Lee in the offseason. They added Michael Barrett. Uh, they added Greg Maddox at the end of his career to an already really good 03 team. So the, the, the talent on 04 was much better. The likability factor was lower. So this team is more likable, not as talented. So I like this team a lot more than I like the 04. Yeah, they team. just need a few more dudes. Yeah, they I need mean, dudes. Yeah, they need dudes. Like this is like hopefully the start of a window opening. We know that nothing is guaranteed when we think a window is opening. You, it's you up like, to Jed now. Yeah, you you like this this Cubs team. And I agree with you 100%. They're a very likable team. But when you look at them, and you compare them to the to the Atlanta Braves. Like, look, the the oh, top yeah. five guys in their roster or, or in their lineup all have hit what thirty home runs or more. Yeah, right. You look different. at what the Dodgers are fielding. Freddie Freeman has had an MVP caliber season. Mookie Betts has hit thirty nine home runs. Max Muncie has hit thirty six home runs. J D Martinez has hit thirty one home runs. Like, they just. They have dudes. You guys need a few more dudes. Yeah, you have a bunch of nice guys and, and really good players, yeah. not great players. Good foundation. You right. need a couple of dudes. Yes, yes. And 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 and, and so we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, where this goes. But, again, I don't believe that in a lot of major markets like Boston and Philly and New York that a team uh, who has a four-game lead in the last month of the season and you don't get to the postseason and you choke that away – would ever be considered a no. successful team. I and agree. that's the difference between, I'm not saying a failure, but I don't call it a success either. Yeah. So. By the way, real quick, as I was going through the Dodgers, did you know, because you're a baseball fan, I didn't, you probably do, the year that Jason Hayward has had, he's had oh, yeah. fif- 15 home runs. He's, he is, Jay Hay has driven in 40. He's hitting 270 with a 343 on base, a 481 slug. He's got an 824 OPS. Like, Good guy, one of our favorites. I'm glad that he has gone to L.A. and found a little bit more success than he did in his last few years. Remember I sent you that uh, 
Magic Johnson was tweeting about yes, him about exactly. 10 days ago. Yeah. But good for Jay Hay. Good for yes, Jay Hay. Yes. Good for Jay Hay. The Cubs are paying both. Uh, the Cubs are paying Saya and Jay Hay. Well, you know what? That's what uh, life in the big city as a, <laughs> as a Major League Baseball owner. Cubs they, win tonight. Cubs win tonight. I You'll hope be so. Okay. I hope you're right. I got, I'll, the, I'll Cub, I got a Cubs and Lions parlay tonight. Okay. It's nice. All right. I, I'm predicting a Lions win as well. You love that, wouldn't you? You get the, the Packers to lose and your Cubs to win. That and would be perfect. It would turn things around nicely. Bears Weekly coming up next. Thanks to Courtney Cronin. Also to Boog Shiambi. Thanks to Charlie Bevins helping out for Meller pleasure. today. And uh, Tyler Aki, as always. For Waddle, I'm Sylvie. It's ESPN 1000. Have yourself a great Thursday night. I'm drinking wine. Yeah, I am.